Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Friday to wrap up the week. I am riding solo on today's podcast, but I've had plenty of fun guests this week, so I'm sure we'll be able to manage to get through this podcast, which reminds me, if you miss Frank and myself at the start of the week, we went through the mailbag. We had a general mailbag episode on Monday. On Tuesday, we went to the Giannis-specific Mailbag, plenty of questions around Giannis, his future, the the contract situation that we're all very well aware of, and potentially how you would pitch him if you were the Milwaukee Bucks. So that was a really fun podcast uh, to go through there. On Wednesday, I caught up with George Carl again. He came back on the show, of course, a legendary NBA coach and former Bucks coach in 2001. Always a, uh, let's say, a polarizing figure amongst Bucks fans, but I, I think the opportunity this time to talk about this version of the Milwaukee Bucks was fun. So that was a fun one. And then yesterday from Brewhoop, the co-managing editor over there, Mitchell Maurer, uh, we, we had a bit of a lighthearted chat about some of the fun stuff uh, that has gone on in Disney already, what we're looking forward to, Elam endings, Michael Beasley. There was plenty of fun conversation there. So uh, go back, check them all out. And I said this, I tweeted this out yesterday but i really appreciate everyone coming back on board the podcast you can tell the nba is back because the listeners have returned if you missed any of our stuff over the course of the last three months where i've been rolling along here with the podcast go back and check them out from mo williams to darvin ham uh, jim paskey marcus johnson zora stevenson alex lazary we've had uh, endless guests dr dave came on the show as well the meme lord Justin was on here. We've had some fantastic guests. It's been a lot of fun for me. Uh, That's going to continue right through the bubble, by the way. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get to the games. I'm not going to be covering the games like I was during the regular season. So I'm just going to try and keep everyone as entertained as we possibly can and and try and sneak in the bubble a little bit. But for today's episode, big news. Big news out of the Bucs. Unfortunately, I have to say that I don't think it was shocking news for everyone. But Eric Bledsoe has come out and he revealed to a number of reporters, Malika Andrews was one of those, Chris Haynes I think was first with TNT, uh, you know his work from Yahoo as well, that he has tested positive for COVID-19. Now, the important thing to note is that he is feeling uh, well, he's feeling healthy. Uh, no symptoms right now, uh, according to the statement that was revealed to the reporters. So Bledsoe tests positive. The Bucs shut down the practice facility on July 5 after some testing on July 3rd that revealed the positive test. Now, we know the Bucs have not uh, been coming out and saying who are the, the people that tested positive. We don't know whether it was just one player or it was multiple players here. So uh, this is the first little bit of insight we've got here. Now, first of all, before we talk about anything from a basketball perspective, yes, uh, he is asymptomatic at the moment and said to be feeling uh, well, but uh, you know, just real concern for Eric. Obviously, uh, this is something that Frank and myself have 
constantly try to repeat because it, it can be a little bit confusing. And your first thought sometimes, unfortunately, is the basketball side of this and what this means for the Bucks. But, uh, you know, this is obviously a, a deadly virus and, and we hope that he is feeling well, not only now, but in the coming days. And he has said that he's looking forward to getting to Orlando once the negative tests come in and he uh, can then get down into the bubble, do his quarantine, which uh, he will have to do the same quarantine as everyone else. He'll do a 48-hour quarantine once he gets down to Disney, once the negative tests come in. Uh, as far as the Yellow Bucks players, because this is the big thing, right? We didn't know whether it was one test or multiple tests that were positive. I think some of the other names, and, and honestly, I'm just rolling with the, uh, the Bucks fans that are, that are telling me this. I'm seeing the same vision that you guys are, whether it be on social media uh, we know that the, the team, as I said, isn't revealing any of these names. So, you know, Ersan, I'm not sure we've seen. Pat Connor and Kyle Korver, some of these guys uh, that we haven't seen down there. So I just want to stress that the, the first thing that you can point to and say, well, maybe they tested positive as well or assume that they did. I, I wouldn't say that that was wise. That would be wise. I mean, we don't know. Of course, it's possible, but there's other circumstances going on in the world. Uh, family uh, issues, potentially family health issues. I mean, this isn't just tied to the one players and the team. There's a lot of things that could possibly happen. So I'm certainly not going to be one to speculate. We hope that everyone in the Bucks traveling party is healthy very soon and they can get down uh, to Disney and get this thing underway. But Eric Bledsoe, from a basketball perspective, this is a basketball podcast. So we have to look at this. Now, the Bucks still have some time. July 31 is the first game uh, that they will play in the regular season presumption. We know they've got some scrimmages coming up against the Spurs and a couple of other teams here in a few days. But as far as Eric Bledsoe returning to the team, I mean, is he going to be there for July 31st? We hope so. Will he play? We're not sure. The Bucks are in a luxurious position of being able to, uh, let's just say, rest some of these guys and ease them back into it. So uh, it's clearly uncertain how much Eric has been able to do uh, on the basketball side of things over the last few weeks here after the positive test. But the one thing that I certainly feel and listeners, please uh, hit us up at Locked On Bucks or myself at Kane Pittman and let you know how you feel about this. But I don't think the Bucks can win a title without a healthy Eric Bledsoe playing at his best. So uh, from a basketball perspective, yes, this is a little bit of a concern for Milwaukee. There's absolutely no doubt about that. He's been such a pivotal player. I missed a stretch during the regular season and the Bucks were able to cover that. Dante DiVincenzo came in into the starting lineup and did a fantastic job. But over the course of a postseason, I don't think that you can afford to lose a player of the quality of the caliber of Eric Bledsoe. You're talking about an all-defensive first-team guy from a season ago and a real barometer for the offense. I've always said this. This is a guy that um, when he's aggressive, when he's getting to the rim and scoring, he can be a 30-point per night game. Now, uh, per game each night, I should say. So, We've seen him have some postseason struggles. I want to run through a few of these numbers in just a little bit here regarding to Eric Bledsoe. Before I do, I just want to let you guys know about our friends over at Bubbles Galore. They are a leading bobblehead retailer in the country. They have a vast inventory of bobbleheads from all major sports leagues, including the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks. They're officially licensed by the NBA, MLB, and NFL. And right now, in limited quantities, they still have the triple MVP Wisconsin puzzle bobblehead that showcases Giannis, Aaron Rodgers, and Christian Yalich. Of course, for Bucks fans, they still have the Greek flag Giannis bobblehead as well. So please go and check that one out. Uh, these guys have done a great job of sponsoring us over the last month in difficult times. So we really appreciate them. 
They can also make custom bobbleheads for any occasion or event. All you have to do is visit www.bobblesgalore.com. Use the promo code locked on and you'll get free shipping. That's www.bobblesgalore.com. Use the promo code locked on and you'll get free shipping. All right, Eric Bledsoe in 2019 and 20. Let's break down some of the numbers here and have a look at the impact he's had, uh, of course, still very much assuming that he's going to be a big part of the Bucks playoff run. But it's a, it's a nice time to look back and look at the positive effect that he's had on this team and how vital he is. Because again, I've said that heading into the postseason, I do sometimes feel a little bit bad that it seems that the conversation around Eric is so negative. I don't think that that should be the case. Uh, I've said all along, at the start of the season when the Bucks gave uh, Bledsoe the contract, uh, last season that was, but then over the summer they had to make the decision with Malcolm Brogdon. I said, listen, Bledsoe's the guy that is going to get you that 60-win season again. He's going to boost the floor of this team right up because that's what he does. Now, can he overcome the struggles he's had in the postseason? We're going to wait and see. But this year, in 2019-20, 15.4 points per game. His minutes went down from 29 to 27. So still getting your 15 points a night. The important thing to note, the shooting splits. This season, 48, 34, and 81. Last year, 48, 32, and 75. So he's seen a couple of percentage points jump up in three-point shooting, which is key for him. And from the free throw line, this is really important. Him getting up above 80% is a great sign. I mean, you look at a guy at this stage in his career to have that, that type of leap. He credited a lot of this to Kyle Korver. Speaking to him, having that elite shooter next to him, running through his routine, giving him tips, giving him ideas. This, for me, was going to be key come playoff time. Giannis, we know about his free throws, but also Eric Bledsoe because, look, Bledsoe's a guy that uh, at times you get the sense that that the mental side of things, particularly in the playoffs, has been uh, somewhat of a struggle for him. We talk about the impact of having no crowds, and George Carl the other day on the podcast said, yes, this is going to be huge for some players that they won't have that pressure of the road crowd. They won't feel that pressure at the free throw line. They might be able to zone out and look at this as a, as a scrimmage in the summer and get away from the pressure that playoff basketball might be able to bring. So the free throw percentage is huge, huge for Eric Bledsoe. But I spoke about him being a barometer and being aggressive. He's in the 89th percentile, according to cleaning the glass, for getting to the rim, 67% shooting at the rim. And we know the Buck starters have that incredible net rating, that defensive rating that's down around 89.8, I believe it is off the top of my head. It's absolutely absurd. He's been a big part of that, even though this season we've seen his role defensively at times eased a little bit because you've had a guy like Wes Matthews come in that's able to guard a James Harden that Eric Bledsoe was so vital to the Bucks' success against the Rockets last year. So look, I think all around, preserving Eric Bledsoe through the season has been a fantastic thing. And I think overall, again, he's been underrated. I think he's had a fantastic year. The numbers prove that. If you look strictly at the on-off numbers for Eric Bledsoe this this season, he played uh, 1,524 minutes on the floor for the Bucs this year. The net rating was 13.3. When he's off the floor in the 1,600 minutes, the net rating drops to 7.9. And when you look at this number, you may be a little bit surprised as to what is the cause of the difference, the differential in that net rating. I mean, there's a, there's a significant uh, drop there of 5.4 points per 100 possessions. Now, the defensive rating is good on both sides. It's a bit better with Bledsoe on the court, 99.6 with Bledsoe on 101.2 when he's off. 
but it's the offensive rating that is 113 when he's on, 109.1 when he's off. So again, it's pointing to the importance that he has uh, for the offense. Now, we saw last year in the postseason that the Raptors were really out of backup, were able to back off him and give him space at the perimeter and try and coax him into shooting because he was really struggling. So that's the question with Eric Bledsoe. There's no doubt about that. But when he's aggressive, when he's getting out in transition, when he's trying to get to the rack, that's the Eric Bledsoe that's going to help this Bucks team win a championship. And I just, you know, I got to get some positivity out there about the guy Bled, uh, who's been fantastic and arguably an all-star snub the last two seasons. So once again, uh, he has tested positive, but we hope we cross our fingers for him, his family, for everyone that uh, he remains feeling well. And in the next week or so, he'll be able to get down to the Bucks in Disney. As far as other news around the league, Zion Williamson leaving the bubble for a, a urgent family medical matter. So this is significant, obviously, for the Pelicans, a team that are trying to get into that play-in and you know probably give the league that matchup that they want, the LeBron versus Zion in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. According to Malika Andrews, I'm reading a tweet right now. It says that uh, this example of leaving the bubble, because we know there's protocols, there's reasons why you can, reasons why you can't. This falls under the bracket of being extenuating circumstances. So the league has approved of that, uh, she believes. It appears that it falls under that uh, circumstance. He would have to return for a minimum, uh, return to quarantine for a minimum of four days or a maximum of 14 based on testing, based on these sorts of things. So this is significant for the Pelicans because unlike the Bucks with Eric Bledsoe and some of the other late arrivals, the Bucks have a little bit of leeway given the fact that uh, they look like they're locked into the first seed anyway. The Pelicans, they're playing for their season. But again, just a little bit of an insight to what it means if you're in the bubble and then you leave, uh, it's, it's difficult. You've got to go through the protocols. You're not going to be able to just return to this bubble and say, well, that's it. We're, uh, we're, we're going back and we're going to play. That's not going to be the case. So uh, interesting news with Zion. We'll keep an eye on that from a Pelican's point of view. One last one. And this, uh, I, I just could not believe this memo that came out. The memo has been sent to the teams reminding them of campus rules, including wearing face coverings and masks. That's pretty standard. We believe that. Uh, we understand why that is certainly important. Uh, mandatory educational sessions on campus rules. But the last one, dressing appropriately when receiving room service. I mean, who are we dealing with here? Who are the guys that we're dealing with here down at the bubble? Come on. If you're out of room service, chuck a shirt on. Put some pants on. It's not that hard, is it? These guys are adults. Uh, I'm scared to think about what would have prompted that reminder uh, to the players. That's, uh, it's, it's quite ridiculous. But I think we're going to continue to get some uh, odd stories out of the bubble. And the only other thing I wanted to report on is Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard is crushing beers left, right, and center. I wonder, is he going to be drunk on the floor? Myers Leonard, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but the, the way it's going, he looks like he's uh, enjoying his time down in Florida. Clearly, against the Bucks rival, a Miami Heat team that the Bucks, uh, perhaps on the collision course, they haven't beaten the Heat this season and they play them in a regular season game uh, before we get to the postseason. So that'll be something to watch there. Now I want to leave this episode with a conversation I had with my Aussie mate, Josh Lloyd, over at the Locked On Fantasy Podcast. I went on his show yesterday, and we spoke all things Bucks, all things uh, return, NBA return, how the Bucks are shaping up to look uh, down there at Disney. You guys have heard me maybe 
talk about this a little bit, but it was an interesting conversation with Josh running through some of the different challenges that the Bucks are going to face uh, as the season tips off once again. So I'm going to jump right into this interview now with Josh leading us off. Now, to talk Milwaukee Bucks, I'm joined by my co-host over at Locked On AFL and, of course, the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast, Kane Pittman. Kane, welcome back to this show because uh, I talk to you every other day. But on Locked On Fantasy, it's good to have you back. Yeah, this is really going to throw me off. Every time I do the intro for Locked On AFL, I, I'm actually absolutely shocked I haven't said Locked On Bucks at one point yet. So now I feel like this is going to completely throw me off. So we're just trying to, to get ourselves here you, back into <laughs> our discussions. Are all been focused on AFL, but we're talking we're talking basketball. We're talking the NBA, which is a couple of weeks away now, and we're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks who almost literally have nothing to play for in these eight games coming back. They're six and a half games up on the Toronto Raptors in the one seed. Home court doesn't matter for overall seeding, so they don't need to get a better record than the Lakers or anything like that in the Western Conference. Giannis Antetokounmpo was hurt before the season um, shut down. But we know Mike Budenholzer has been fairly limited in what in terms of minutes and, and really you know, paying attention to the health of his players. I think that's going to be pretty aggressive in terms of how he runs, you know, 12, 13-man rotations, Thanasa Santacumpo playing minutes, Sterling Brown getting starts. I think it's going to be a pretty wild ride for Bucks rotations here. Yeah, well, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they're going to have plenty of opportunities here to, to run guys into shape. And we know that this is going to be a challenge for a lot of teams because you can talk about uh, whatever training camps they've had. But for Milwaukee in particular, it was only yesterday, or I guess the day before as we're recording this now, that the Bucks had their first opportunity to to have some five-on-five five scrimmage, like all the teams. But this is now only eight days away uh, until their first, uh, I say air quotes, preseason game against San Antonio. So they, they get a real benefit of having those three preseason games, eight regular season games, which, as you sort of pointed to, doesn't mean a lot. And then the first round against, uh, I mean, who knows? It, it looks like it's going to be a half of a Brooklyn Nets team. <laughs> possibly a Washington Wizards team if they can somehow uh, maybe win a play-in, if they can get within four games, and even they don't have Bradley Beal, uh, Davis Bertans as well. So uh, the Bucks are going to have a real opportunity here, unlike most other teams, to work guys into shape, try some things, and, and have everyone feeling good about themselves by the time they uh, hopefully get to the second round. So they're in good shape. So anyone who's looking at you know, playing these restart fantasy leagues, drafting these Bucks players, they are going yeah. to be the team to me that is going to be the wildest. We saw that game before the hiatus where they just sat everybody. And we had you know, uh, Antetokounmpo playing big minutes. We had 35 minutes of Sterling Brown. We had you know Pat Connaughton starting and playing 30 minutes. We had uh, you know, 21 minutes of DJ Wilson, 30 minutes of Frank Mason in the last game before everything shut down against the Nuggets. We're going to see at least one of those games in these eight games. I'm pretty confident. Giannis, again, with the knee injury, he's fully fine now, but he's only playing 30 minutes a night anyway, so he's not going to extend. So I think we really have to be cautious about looking at these guys in DFS, looking at these guys in fantasy. Minutes are going to be spread. Rotations is going to be, I think, the widest or the deepest of anybody uh, out there. Uh, You'll get some DiVincenzo playing time. But let's talk a little bit about Dante because I thought he was their fifth most valuable player yeah, ahead of Wes Matthews despite coming off the bench. Do you think there'll be any change in what Budenholzer does, not only for this regular season, but into the playoffs in terms of changing that starting lineup, changing the minutes distribution between Dante and Wes Matthews? Or it'll just be, this is what's got us this far, so let's just keep running like this and maybe we'll reassess it yeah, if things don't work in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think he'll change the starting lineup. The big reason for that is just the defensive matchups. Wesley Matthews has actually been the guy that's been the primary defender on James Harden, the primary defender on, on Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James. He's been getting those assignments. And honestly, 
for me, out of all the things I expected from Wes Matthews coming into this season, I didn't expect the defensive impact that he's been able to have in those one-on-one matchups. And it's really actually freed up Chris Middleton to have the offensive season that he's had without the defensive responsibility he's had in the past. So I don't think there's any chance that he changes the starting lineup. But DiVincenzo is a fascinating player because uh, he's basically been the replacement starter, no matter who's gone out. So Eric Bledsoe missed a significant amount of time. So did uh, Chris Middleton. And DiVincenzo's come in because the Bucks are happy to put the ball in Giannis's hands and, and use a combination of guys uh, to handle the ball. So is going to be a, a major player. There's no doubt about that. 23.1 minutes per game on the season. But they like what he does, particularly defensively. He's really disruptive. He picks up those steals, starts the transition game. And as long as his three-point shooting can remain there in that mid-30s range, because it was down in the mid-20s in his rookie year, uh, he's going to be pretty valuable for them. They're going to need him. They are going to need him. Um, he, I think that he's he's going to be playing some pretty significant minutes because there'll be guys that, that sit out randomly throughout yeah. this uh, throughout these games. And he'll play. Look, he he was one of the ones that they rested. I think that was key. You look at that, that Denver game, and I think that's something I'm going to harp on. But Divincenzo didn't play. Middleton didn't play. Antetokounmpo didn't play. Bledsoe and Brook Lopez. They're the guys that didn't play in that one. Where's Matthews? Still got 32 minutes. Pat Connaughton, another rotation player, played 30 minutes. Robin Lopez played. Those guys, Cole Corver played 24 minutes uh, on, on a back-to-back as well for Corver. The guys that they preserved were DiVincenzo, Middleton, Antetokounmpo, Bledsoe, who were yeah, ruled out in, in advance with... Uh, or, sorry, Antetokounmpo, Antetokounmpo was hurt. Bledsoe was, was a, a late scratch there. But he was one of the five guys that they rested, and they are really keen on getting him in and playing him uh, some minutes. Is there any concern about Giannis's knee, or everything seems to be good from that? I mean, there would have been for sure. <laughs> I remember I remember when the season went down uh, the day before. Uh, so that night on the Wednesday night when the season ended, the Bucs were scheduled to host the Celtics the next day. And the Bucs were kind of saying, he might be able to play. We think we might play him. And I was certainly sitting back and saying, listen, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be risking this guy right now. The Bucs have got a three and a half game lead ahead of the Lakers for the overall uh, number one record. But he's had months now. So no, I, there's no concern. He certainly said that he had, had the chance to... Uh, get the rehab that he needed over this break. And and at the time, it was only going to be a game that was going to keep him out for a few games anyway. So whether or not that would have lingered through to the postseason, that would have been a concern. But I think with the break, uh, he's going to be fine. But you pointed to it, the schedule. The Bucs have some games, particularly against the Nets, against the Wizards. If you're looking at a fantasy perspective, it makes sense that those guys might uh, not play those games. So maybe maybe not the best option. Yeah, they're definitely going to be sitting outside. That, that one, the second last game they play is against the Wizards. That could, <laughs> that could be a, a real rough one. How about Chris Middleton? Hasn't touched a ball in three months, apparently, which is odd, to say the to say the least. What do we make of that comment? What do we make of what that means for him coming back? But again, they could have eight games of warm-up here, plus the preseason games. And let's be honest plus the first round of the playoffs. Is there anything to be concerned about? This could be you know, 16 games of just absolute warm-ups for this Bucks team before they get into a second-round contest against Miami, Philadelphia, or Indiana, most likely. Yeah, Middleton's such an interesting case because uh, traditionally he's been a slow starter. So, yeah, you should have some concern uh, if you're a Bucks fan about Chris Middleton's shooting coming in because last year... He had the unusual preparation of playing with Team USA. So he was playing competitive basketball right throughout the summer, and that allowed him to come in in pretty good shape. I'm, maybe I'm a skeptic, Josh. I don't know. But I don't believe that he didn't touch a ball for three months. Uh, I, I don't believe why, that for a why second. Why wouldn't he have? Like, what, I don't see. Does he not have a ball in his house? Like, Maybe he doesn't have a full-size court in his backyard. But surely, surely he did something. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it. And I think that there was the rules were 
really regulated around what guys can and can't do. So I think we've seen some other guys say this as well. I know Pascal Siakam said he didn't play for a long time. Jason Tatum said the same thing. He said he hasn't been playing basketball, but then he's also been playing golf every single day. So again, Jason, I don't really believe you. I think you've been playing a little bit of basketball. So I, I think it's just, uh, let's let's say some some safe answers to say, no, I was quarantined. You know, I was doing the right thing. I wasn't touching the basketball, uh, not at all. So I don't really believe it, but I think in general, Based on what we've seen in the past, a bit of a slow starter, there would be some concern. And it, and in general, you know, to have three, four months off, the guy was shooting 50, 40, 90. He was unbelievable. He was a flamethrower all season long. There's some concern that he's not going to be able to keep that level of play up. Yeah, um, that, that, that is the concern. I'm, I'm not too worried about him because he's, you know, he's been at a really high level for multiple seasons. He did step it up a notch this season. But this Bucks team, uh, it is going to be tough to rely upon these guys in a fantasy perspective because out of the eight games, you might get six from Giannis, you might get six from yeah. Bledsoe, you might get seven from Lopez. Like, who knows? It's going to be all over the shop. Absolutely all, nothing to play for apart from preparation for six weeks' time. Uh, so it is really hard to get a full handle on them. But Kane, whatever does happen with this Bucks team, you'll have it covered for us over on Locked On Bucks. So make sure you're checking that out. And thank you again for coming on Locked On Fantasy with me. <laughs> Anytime. I, I guess I'll speak to you in a few minutes on Locked On <laughs> AFR. You, you, uh, you definitely will. <laughs> That's going to do it for another week of Locked on Bucks. I really appreciate everyone listening. I hope everyone is staying safe over there. Before I do go, I've got to remind you about the Rejecting the Screen podcast with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. They do great work. You've heard me plug that show before. Make sure you go and check that one out. But most importantly, stick with us over here. I never really do the whole subscribe rate, all this thing. I guess I figure most of the listeners are subscribed. But if you don't... Uh, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, help us out. And Frank and myself really appreciate it. He will be back next week, as will I, with a number of fun guests as we really, really now start to get close to the Bucks' return. Next week, there's going to be some Bucks basketball. They're going to be scrimmage against other NBA teams. Hard to believe. We really look forward to it. Once again, we wish all the best to Eric Bledsoe. Hope he is doing well. We will catch you guys next week.